What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always, and welcome to the podcast. Well, it has been a very busy October. As you can tell, I haven't done any podcasts in a while for all those loyal podcast listeners. Um, And haven't done any videos, other than a video that I did from the site of the second draft meetings in San Diego. I did a real quick shout out to Code Making Panel 5. If you get a chance, go on our YouTube channel and look at that. Um, they did a great job, did a lot of good work there. Um, honored to be a part of that committee. So, um, with that said, the second draft meetings are are over or are ending, if you will, today. Now, I was there for Co-Making Panel 5 and Co-Making Panel 17. Co-Making Panel 5 and 17 both ended early. And so I was back home. But at the end of the day, there was other panels that were meeting in the second part of this past week uh, who are probably still there or they're leaving today as we speak or even possibly leaving Sunday. Uh, so this is Saturday, November 3rd, so um, I figured what I would do is give you a little bit of a recap and kind of go through each one of the chapters and let you know where we're at. In this episode, we're going to go over chapter one. We're going to look at definitions, see what definitions were added. Now, a couple things to mention. Anything that I talk about now are preliminary. In other words, it's been through the first draft, it's been through the second, uh, or the first draft, all that public input. It's public comments now have been submitted and we've we've met and everybody's kind of massaged all of the public comments that were submitted. Uh, remember, we can't make changes to get new things, new material, but we can actually elaborate on things that get submitted during the public comment stage. And it's a very broad authority. In other words, if it's if you mention something about another article or, or another section or whatever, then you know if there was a submittal on that, then we can massage it a little bit. So a lot of changes took place for the uh, 2020 NEC, um, but you need to remember that this is still all preliminary because the members of the co-panel still have to vote. Uh, so nothing about this 
podcast is going to have anything to do with trying to sway anybody's vote. Obviously, they won't listen to me anyway. But uh, at the end of the day, we're really just uh, talking about some of the things that you might see. Kind of get your perk your ears up a little bit because some of these things might make it and some of the things might not make it. It's all subject to the vote. Uh, And so it's going to have to pass a two-thirds vote. Uh, which is a little different than what we have at the committee meetings because it's just a majority, simple majority. So at the end of the day, we're going to look at some of the things that might make it into the 2020 NEC, but just with the caveat that we still have to vote on it. And then remember, there's one more important stage, and that's called the NITMAMS. So the NITMAMS is, is, is a motion stage that somebody could bring up some issue with something that that happened in the second draft or the public comment stage, the one we were just at at San Diego. So there's another stage, so never fear. There's something you don't like when the the second draft comes out. Uh, There's something you don't like, then remember, it's not over yet, okay? You can always submit a nitmam based on whatever action was taken at the public comment stage. Okay, with that said... Let's kind of dig into it. So there's a number of changes, new definitions that were added. And so we're just going to kind of look at them, talk about them. Um, I don't sit on code making panel one. So, <clears throat> but what you have to remember is a lot of these definitions will are under the purview of the code making panel that's governs that definition. So while it might make it over into chapter one, remember the general rule. If uh, uh, some kind of term is used in more than one article, then it needs to be relocated over to chapter one, uh, which is in 100, article 100 for definitions, uh, because it applies broadly to more than one article. And this is where it's generally going to be. Now, we're always refining that because we find terms that are used and then the next time and somebody will submit it and we have to reorganize that. It might be in a dot two of a specific article. And you're thinking, well, dot two is specific to that article, but wait a minute, it's used in another article, then that's what happens and somebody puts a public input and it ends up being public comment, massages that, and the next thing you know, we move it over to our article 100. Uh, so there is some terminologies that might be brand new. Some of them were massaged a little bit, uh, and so we'll kind of cover it over it. And I will give you the second revision number uh, that you can use to go and look it up once this is published so you can kind of see what's going on. Uh, and then you can read the back history, what the panel did, and panel statements and whatnot. All right. All right, so the first one we're going to look at is, is looks like there is a definition of attachment fitting that has been added to the NEC. Okay, so this is all new. Uh, it's a new, uh, new definition of what an attachment fitting is. It says, a device that, by insertion into a locking support or mounting receptacle, establishes a connection between the conductors of the attachment utilization, utilization equipment and the branch circuit conductors connected to the locking support or mounting receptacle. Okay, so... That is a definition of an attachment fitting. So obviously, it's going to be utilized throughout the NEC, uh, this term. And so we needed to have a reference to what the term of what it is. And it's a device, okay? And it says a device by insertion into a locking support and mounting receptacle, establishing a connection between the conductors and the attached utilization equipment. And, of course, the branch circuit conductors connected to the locking support and mounting receptacle. So it's 
all together in a connection assembly, if you will. Now, there is an informational note. Again, informational notes are not enforceable, but they are great information. They are guidelines into, I shouldn't say guidelines. Let's say they are roadmaps to where things come from while we're talking about it. They just give a lot of good information, obviously not enforceable. Um, important to understand the difference between an informational note and just a plain note, like a note to a table. You know, informational notes are just good info. A note to a table is applicable to that table. So anyway, so it says informational note. It says an attachment fitting is different from an attachment plug because no cord is associated with the fitting. Okay, so it's just the fitting. An attachment plug typically has a cord that's connected to the end attachment plug that's going to plug into a receptacle or something like that. So there is a difference. It says an attachment fitting in combination with a locking support and mounting receptacle secures the associated utilization equipment in place and supports its weight. Okay, so that's what this attachment fitting is there for. It's to support the weight. It physically connects uh, the locking support or mounting to the receptacle and to the utilization equipment. Okay, so that's a new definition. Uh, and let's see, if I look at the second revision, let's see. Um, the committee statement was the term is used in 314.27E, 422.18, 422.33, and uh, should be defined. It is not used in any other articles under the purview of code making panel 18 and therefore ownership of this definition should be assigned accordingly. Okay, so let's close that. So it doesn't necessarily have on the end of it in, in parentheses a code making panel. So um, I would tend to think that this would have to have parentheses on it and associate it with code making panel 10. Uh, excuse me, 18, but I guess not. Maybe they're giving the purview over to code making panel one. That might be what they're doing. Okay. The next, the next one is a definition of bathroom has changed again, or preliminarily. Is that a word? It has changed again. So it says for bathroom now. Now there was some questions on what a bathroom was, whether it was distinctively tied to the sink or the basin or whatnot. So, um, Terminologies have changed, and it says an area including a sink, so sink is new, with one or more of the following, toilet, urinal, a tub, a shower, a bidet, or similar plumbing fixtures, okay? So got rid of the term, uh, clearly, it looks like they actually, I believe... Might be some markup. It says an area including a sink, and of course, I think it's still going to have basin in parentheses. Okay, so let's look. Oh, yeah, I should have said this earlier. Uh, attachment fitting previously, if you want to jot this down, if you want to see what it looks like once it starts coming out in the public, uh, the uh, public comments, second draft that was second revision 8194. In case you want to jot that down, that was for attachment fitting. In case you want to read the history and whatnot. Uh, again, I will say the panel statements are starting to get very brief here, so you can't get a lot of insight on the discussions that the code panels had on a lot of these things. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing that takes the place of actually being there. So if you ever get a chance to be there and sit in the room, 
Okay, just uh, it's it's a neat experience for those that aren't part of the code making panel process. So you're always invited. So you can always go if you want. So anyway, bathroom, the definition added the term sink separately and put basin in parentheses. Uh, is second revision seventy five ninety four. And we're going to look at that and see what the code panel stated on that to give you some insight uh, with that. And it says, currently the term sink is used for kitchen areas and the term basin is used for bathroom areas. Basin is also used to mean depressions in the earth for transformers in 450.270. Hazardous locations, 515.3, marinas, 555.1, and man-made bodies of water in 682.1 and 682.2. So, by changing sink to mean sink, regardless of the location, will bring consistency and uniformity to the NEC. Okay? So, made sense, I guess, for the term bathroom. This is all part of a public comment 811 that also added to try to make some clarity to this. So the committee did a reject but see and obviously uh, made the changes to make it clear, talking sink for bathroom, uh, but keeping the term basin in there for, um, you know, to, to harmonize with it, I guess. So anyway, that's your definition change. Really no t- technical change at all um, in that. So, Okay. And, and I should say that is under the purview of Code Making Panel 2. So, again, don't get confused just because it's over in Chapter 1, which is typically under the purview of Code Making Panel 1. Uh, the definitions uh, are now, when you, you can tell at the end of it who has the actual jurisdiction, if I should say, over that definition. And in this case, Bathroom is Code Making Panel 2. They have that rule. And again, that was SR 7594, in case you're writing those down and you want to look at what the actions were. The next one to change is main bonding jumper. Okay. Uh, We got rid of the term supply-side disconnect throughout the code, so it really doesn't apply anymore. So that term was removed, so that's the only real change. It says, the main bonding jumper, it says a connection between the grounded circuit conductors and the equipment grounding conductor or the supply side bonding jumper, or both at the service. Okay, so that is where it was intended to be. Anything beyond that uh, is that that would happen would be supply side bonding jumpers and connections that would be made on the supply side. Um, really, we're trying to keep the main bonding jumper to what it is. It's associated with the service uh, or whatever that service might be. So, co-making panel five altered this, and again, any references to supply-side disconnects has been removed uh, from the NEC. So if we look at the second revision, which you might want to jot this down if you're, you're into the bonding and grounding thing, um, it's SR7797. That is the second revision that actually dealt with this. And again, the co-making panel stated in their statement is the term supply-side disconnect has been removed as it is no longer used in the code as proposed in the first draft. Okay, so that came out of the first draft. Uh, but again, this is SR7797. So, uh, but that is the extent of your panel statement. Pretty simple. We removed the supply side disconnect, you know, the actual uh, references to that. Okay, so we're going through the different definitions. The next one we come up on is fault current. 
So there is a slight uh, change in the definition of fault current. It used to say an ejectable current that flows due to an abnormal and in a circuit condition. But really, the fault current is a current delivered at a point on the system during a short circuit condition. That's more accurately depicts it because we, we are sometimes very confused with what's considered objectionable currents and things like that. So this was under the co-making panel 10, who was charged with this definition of fault current. Uh, the SR was 7950. Okay, And so the co-making panel really looked at this and said, you know what, this definition really was pulled from NFPA 70E of the 20." 18 edition. So it added clarity so the word amount was not intended because a fault current is not an amount, okay? So really as it progressed through the change in this definition, it really is trying to mirror NFPA 70E and says the current delivered at a point on the system during a short circuit condition. That's literally what it is. That's that fault current and we do fault current calculations at certain points on the electrical system. Uh, this whole thing was massaged based on three public comments. And that was 1993, 1303, and 2140. So here was three different comments that were made. And the task groups put came together and ultimately presented it to their committee in order to come up with this definition, which really does define fault current. What is it? Okay, it's the current. Okay, it's not really the amount of current. It's the current that's delivered at a point on the system. And why does this get there? It's due to a short circuit condition. That's how you have fault current. Okay, so anyway, that's your definition change for the 2020. At least that's how it's proposed now. Remembering that this could change. Uh, if it doesn't get two thirds vote, then it will revert back to whatever it was in the first draft. So, uh, and in some cases, might even revert back to what it was in the 2017 code. So, you got to stay up on these. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Things got to keep watching. So many changes take place, but right now that's where we're at right now. Okay, so that's what we're looking for. Uh, and again, that is SR seventy nine fifty. In case you're following along. Okay. The next definition that's, that's, that's proposed to be changed at this point is fitting. A fitting. It is a means for connecting raceway cable or cord to an enclosure box, raceway system, or cable tray system. Now, this is under the purview of co-making panel one. They're the ones that came up with this definition change. 
Uh, it is SR if you're writing these down. That allows you to go back and quickly search for these at the second draft stage. You can go look for the SR, which was 79.28. And in 79.28, it was really based on four public comments grouped together that really was pushing for this change. So what the task groups did and what the code panel did, code panel one, is massage these together to come up with something that tries to meet potentially all of these public comments uh, at some point. So we call these a reject but C in the new language of the code. Uh, and we in the code panel crafted this new definition. And basically the revised definition clarifies the meanings of connection, which includes cable tray systems. Okay, so um, raceway systems uh, or even cable tray systems. All of these have certain types of fittings that make certain connections and whatnot. So um, I guess the code-making panel felt that this definition was a little bit more broader and it meted the intent of all the submitters. Okay, So if you're one of those submitters out there, that was the public comments were 1257, 1287, 1240, and 86. Hopefully this uh, change was to your liking. Obviously if it isn't, you'll probably put in a nitmam. Uh, and uh, it'll be dressed wherever we're meeting at for the NIPMAMs. I don't even know where we're meeting. Okay. The next change to definitions was free air. And it says, as applied to conductors. Now, that makes it clear, right? So, free air, as it applies to conductors. So, it said, open or ventilated environment that allows for air, heat, dissipation, and airflow around an installed conductor. However, it was a lot more language after that. It talked about uh, with no other conductors closer than one diameter cable. It's a lot of words. So the code has the, the code panel, which is under the purview of code making panel six, and everybody knows I don't always agree with code panel six. I love you, but I don't always agree. Um, is that it's been simplified to the term, and this is what it reads now. Okay, it says open or ventilated environment that allows for heat dissipation and airflow around an installed conductor. Okay, and so it took out the word air, so it just allows for heat dissipation to flow. Now, this is SR7572, in case you're following along. All right, so it basically was requirements removed per PC1742, so there was a 1742 submission. Uh, edits and now only defines what free air is. So the 1742 submission came from a representative of the wire and cable industry and uh, there's a, their, their statement was removing the definition of free air does not help define the condition for the user. So they took parts of it, they left the definition uh, as free air uh, but they obviously liked some components of it or whatnot. Um, anyway, so that's was that was you know there was the change, uh, and I guess others wanted the term free air removed, and it doesn't really help the condition. So anyway, it's a simple definition. So that has been changed again. It's SR seventy five seventy two. In case you're following along, the next definition that has. Uh, Changed is inverter generating capacity, or how it's listed to code. It says generating capacity inverter. It is the sum of parallel connected inverters 
Inverter maximum continuous output power at 40 degrees C in watts or kilowatts. So this came from co-making panel four. Uh, it was an SR7862. And this whole change, the, the words watts or were added before kilowatts to allow for this term to be used for items less than one kilowatt. Okay, so if kilowatt is in there, what if you had applications that were less than one kilowatt? Uh, then you'd have a problem with the definition. Okay, so simple change here added watts or to deal with those applications where you might run into the sum of parallel connected inverters where it has a maximum continuous output power that are less than one kilowatt. And so how do you deal with that? Smaller inverter applications. So there you go. So that was a change. Now this one was based on a public comment, uh, 710. And so that's what took place. And code making panel four has the purview of this definition. So they made the change and it makes sense. You do have some smaller applications where you might have less than one kilowatt. How would you deal with that with the current definition? Be pretty hard. Okay, the next definition change uh, we see here is for the grounded conductor. Um, so the grounded conductor, it says a system or circuit conductor that is intentionally grounded. Now an informational note was added here. It says, although an equipment grounded conductor is grounded, it is not considered a grounded conductor. Now, the original submittal in this wanted to really add that up into the actual language and remind people that an equipment grounded conductor is not a grounded conductor. Um, and so we felt that it was, I should say we, because I am on this panel, uh, it felt that it wasn't going to add any clarity to it and probably could add some confusion. Um so adding an informational note, again, whether this stays or doesn't stay, again, I should remind you again, all of this is, uh, is preliminary. <clears throat> we don't know that all this will stay because we still have to do a two-thirds vote. And some of these things are on the fence. So all I'm doing here is just kind of giving you an overview of what took place during the second draft meeting, in case you didn't attend it, and you just want to hear some of the things that are going on. Um, obviously I wasn't in all of these meetings because I was stuck in five in the first week and I was stuck in 17. So I'm kind of giving you an overview uh, of it. So, you know, nothing's going to substitute you doing your own research. I'm just saying, okay, get into this thing. All right. Now, a lot of these changes you can't see yet unless you're a code panel member. Uh, you got to wait until it comes out after the vote. Uh, I'm just showing you these preliminarily. Is that a word? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, in order to be able to give you a flavor of what went, what took place during the meeting, okay, How, things that were discussed. So grounded conductor, uh, so that was SR, second revision, in case you're following along, you want to jot it down, uh, 7804. Uh, I always hate when people do that, 7804, I guess it's 7804, isn't it? Okay, so the new informational note was added, as we said, to clarify that an equipment grounded conductor is not subject to be identified or connect or even applied to the connection rules as a grounded conductor, because they are not Okay, not required to comply with all the same rules. Okay, um, one notable probably would be 408.41, where you can one per term, one grounded conductor per terminal, uh, and where equipment grounds you could have multiples if they're the same size, provided that the bus bar is rated for that and all that, and you know all that. So, I mean, there are some differences here, so we don't want to confuse it. I all the time see people using the term grounded conductor synonymous with equipment grounded conductor. Believe it or not, and I teach a lot of grounding and bonding classes. This will go a long way. Could we have possibly accepted it in the actual definition? Maybe, 
But again, we don't want to muddy the water. The informational note is informational, and this is information. So, okay. Um, who knows? We'll see if it lasts. All right. Again, that was SR7804, in case you're following along and you want to look at that when the second draft comes out. This allows you to be a jump start on everybody. The moment it's published, you can go right to these SRs and see what's going on. All right, the next one is Ground Fault Circuit Interrupter. Yes, Code Making Panel 2 has changed the definition of Ground Fault Circuit Interrupter a little bit more. Remember, there's a difference between GFI and a GFCI uh, and a GFP. Uh, I see these things used synonymous. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, even Code Making Panel 17 went down that rabbit hole, and I don't think that it got fully vetted, but it is what it is. I think we know what we're talking about here. They're all essentially protection, but anyway, co-making panel two made some changes. They believe added clarity. Uh, I will tell you right up front, this is SR7738, so jot that down if you want to see kind of the history of what took place. Again, the comment statements are are pretty brief, so you don't get all of the, the goodness, if you will, of the discussions. You used to get a real detailed, you know, discussion when you did when we had uh, public uh, or proposals and things like that. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. People say they get the same amount of data, but I don't know. Our statements are getting shorter and smaller, but it's okay. All right. So ground fault circuit interrupter. The new definition. Uh, the only thing that changed, they took out the term to ground and they added ground fault. So here's how it reads. And of course, there was some changes in the informational note again, kind of along those same lines. What is a ground fault circuit interrupter? It's a device intended for the protection of personnel that functions to de-energize a circuit or portion thereof within an established period of time when a ground fault current exceeds the values established for a class A device. Of course, we all know there's class A, class B, class C, D, and E, and whatnot. Um, But generally, the ones that are protection of personnel are considered a class A. You know, we always say five milliamps nominal, but the reality is that it's it's designed to. Uh, if you read the informational note, it kind of really tells you. We all say five milliamps nominal, but here's the real thing about the informational note. Listen to this information. It says a class A ground fault circuit rubber trips when the ground fault current is six milliamps or higher, and do not trip when the ground fault current is less than four milliamps. So we say five milliamps nominal, but we're really saying if it's if it's six or higher, that it you know that you know you're dealing with that, and if it's four or low or, or four or less. So we say five nominal. It's just easier to say that way. All based on UL nine forty three. So the changes in here was to get rid of two ground uh, and make it clear that we're talking about a ground fault. Okay. That's why they're called ground fault circuit interrupters, right? So this second revision was 7738. So if you want to jot that down, um, ground fault, this is a better description of the current involved facilitating the operation of this GFCI. So better to talk about a ground fault because it's called a ground fault rather than say ground. It could be misleading. Uh, A lot of people use these terms, ground, grounded. I mean, they, they really can get lost in the shuffle. Um, and then don't get me started when we talk grounding and bonding and how they can get those type of things confused. They're very similar, but have subtle differences. So anyway, all this was based on a public comment 1250 uh, that caused the code making panel 2 to do a lot of searching. And this wasn't a big search. Obviously, it's called ground fault circuit interrupter. So adding ground fault in there and taking out to ground clarifies this definition. So just a definition clarification. 
The next change is to equipment grounding conductor. Not a huge change, but an in, a change that clarifies the intent. So in the code, in Article 100, we seem to do these things. We don't. We call it grounding conductor, and then we put equipment. But we know it's an equipment grounding conductor, the acronym EGC. Still have people that don't know that acronym, but that's what it is. What is the definition? Well, we got rid of the word provides because throughout the code, we're trying to get rid of the word provides. Okay? Um, and just kind of say what we mean. So it says a conductive path or paths that is part of an effective ground fault current path and connects normally non-current carrying metal parts of equipment together. That's bonding. People argue that it should be called an equipment bonding conductor, but no, it's not necessary. We have informational notes for this, and that's good information. But everybody knows what an equipment grounding conductor is. It's, it's, it's established. Let's kind of roll with it, all right? So let me reread this. It's a conductive path that is part of an effective ground fault current path. It no longer says low impedance uh, aspect of that. Okay, It doesn't really say that, and it goes without saying. Um, and we'll get that guidance in 250.4, if you will. So it says an effective ground fault current current path that connects normally non-current carrying metal parts of equipment, that's the bonding component, together and to the system grounded conductor or the grounding electroconductor or both. Okay, so we have two informational notes that did not change. The only part that was added here is that say is part of because that's a true statement. The equipment grounding conductor is a part of okay, a part of of that effective ground fault current path and it's a vital part Remember, without it, you're not going to clear overcurrent devices. Okay? Anyway. So we got two informational notes. Those did not change. The first informational note is just reminding you that that EGC also performs a bonding function, and it almost alludes to that in the definition, so you get it. We're all code savvy these days, right? We get it. And then, of course, informational note number two says that 250.118, there's a list of these equipment granite conductors, which could be a raceway, whatever, could possibly even be a cable assembly, if it meets all the requirements, you know, to be such. Um, and of course, so they're all listed there. An individual conductor obviously is, or whatnot. So a good change here. Now, this was based on a second revision. It was 7805. And the code panel stated that the CMP5 deletes the words provided and replaces it with the phrase as part of to bring needed clarity to the definition of an equipment grounding conductor. And I sit on this code-making panel, and we had a good discussion over this. And this is a, a very simple change that was a good change. Uh, now, this was spawned from, people ask, how do we get there? It's a spawned from a public comment, 372. Uh, and so this is what resulted in a second revision, 7805. And um, and we remind people that the note one still serves to remind people that it performs a bonding function. So we didn't really m muck with that, but we made it a little bit clearer. So again, that was SR seventy eight oh five. Definition we've got here uh, another one is interactive inverter. Okay, so we just added some language here. What is it? And this is under the purview. I love using that word. Uh, the purview, whatever, is, is under the guidance of CMP 13, uh, and it says, an inverter intended for use in parallel with power sources, 
Uh, and when we say that, it means we could have utility coming in, we could have the PV coming in, we have all these sources that are coming into this inverter. Uh, and it says, such as an electric utility to supply common loads and may deliver power to the utility. Okay, so interactive means it might kick it back. So, you know, you're using, people say with a photovoltaic system that uh, I'm supplying it back to the grid or cause the meter to turn the other direction or whatever, and I start making some money. All right, so that's an interactive inverter. Key thing to remember about those is when they lose power, they shut down. Okay, but that is part of the SR7545. And co-making panel 13 looked at that and says, this really is, this really With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To be honest with you, it was more of an editorial revision. Um, and what happens is it reinserts language that was accidentally, I guess, or maybe not accidentally, that was deleted during that first draft stage uh, when editorial modifications, whether it was through TerraView or whether it was done inadvertently. But anyway, it brings it back for clarity. All this was based on a public comment in 1958. So, um, and of course, the public comment uh, came from an individual that works at Tesla, right? So who knows more about these things than somebody that works at Tesla, right? So anyway, that's what happened and got it all back in there. So again, kind of added clarity to what an interactive inverter is. So glad that's there. Again, if you're following along, SR7545. The next definition that we have is a definition 100. It's called inverter input circuit. And it is states that says conductors connected to the DC input of an inverter. Okay, so that's the DC side coming into the in- inverter. We have AC output, okay, or we have inverter output definition that we'll look at here in a second. But we now have a definition of those that are coming in to the inverter. Now, this is all based on, now it used to say conductors between the inverter and the ESS in standalone and multi-mode inverter systems. Uh, Okay, a lot of information, unnecessary. So, inverter input circuit are the connectors uh, conductors connected to the DC input of the inverter. Hey, much easier to understand. Much easier to understand. So, this is under the purview of CMP 13. Uh, It was second revision 7564. And under this, it was really based on four public comments that were submitted. uh, 1845, 1108, 1205, and 1204. Uh, And so the action, really what it did, it removes duplicate definitions and it it retained the general description of the term. So we need to understand what the term is. Uh, And it also aligns with the term inverter. So it it just seems to clarify what we're talking about, what's coming in and what's going out of the inverter. right, so... That was SR7564. Uh, ironically, that meant that you had to change something on the AC output side. So now we have the definition clarity to the inverter output circuit. What is that? So definition change, it says conductors connected to the AC output of an inverter. Again, under the purview of CMP17. Again, brings clarity. This SR is 7567. 
So it just brings clarity to what we're talking about here. Remember, we're talking about the inverter. We're talking about the circuit coming into it and what's going out of it. Okay? Clarity. It's always a good thing. All right. The next revision here that we have is to, let's see here, labeled. Okay? And this is an SR7953. And it looks to me the only change here was in the informational note. That's it. So instead of saying when, and we're trying to get away with the style manual, doesn't like the term when, uh, so we're changing it to if. So that's the only change here. It says if a listed product, as if you don't need to always have listed products, because you don't. There's some boxes, for example, some wireways that don't have to be listed. Of course, there's a lot of boxes do, but I'm just saying. There's applications where they don't, so I'm just using this as an example. This says if a listed product is of a such a size, shape, or material, whatnot. So, got rid of the term when, uh, NEC style manual. Oh, incidentally, if you hear that a lot from people when you go to these meetings and they say, oh, NEC style manual, it's not in conformance with 4.2.2, whatever the NEC style manual, go download it and look at it. What a neat document. It kind of helps you understand how that code and some of the, the, the way that things are laid out. It's free. Go to NFPA and, and download it. Um, and get it. It's, it's a free document, but you kind of can see the insights of why we use shall and shall not and, and the nature of those things. It's just, it's just a neat, neat document. Okay? It's free. That's the most important thing. Free. So that definition, to that, that change to the informational note, again, was second revision, 7953. Just kind of cleaning up some, some language there. Okay. The next change we have is messenger or messenger wire. It says a wire that is run along with or integral with a cable or conductor that provides mechanical support for the cable or conductor. Now, this was done in Code Making Panel 6. So when people want to know what a messenger is or a messenger wire, synonymously together now, it is a wire that is a supporting component of the cable or conductor assembly. Okay. Now, this is part of a second revision, 7573. And that was done, and it's all based on a public comment twenty, oh, excuse me, two thousand and two, that was submitted by a gentleman named Paul Dombrowski. Here's a super smart alert: Paul Dombrowski is super, super smart. He is, no doubt, and a sweetheart. It's a great guy, uh, and, and and knows what he's talking about. And I, I know everybody knows what they're talking about. I get it, but Paul Dombrowski, he's a sharp cat. Let me tell you what. So anyway, uh, his substantiation for this change, he says, look, using the word parallel could cause confusion with hot, uh, with hot, then, uh, all right, maybe there's some grammar stuff in here. So maybe he's super, super smart, but he's like me. Sometimes we can be grammarly challenged. Sorry, Paul, I had to do that. Uh, We have something in common. We have first names. Not the smart part. We have first names. Anyway, uh, so it needs. It's really confusing because the term parallel really it's got to be connected at both ends, uh, electrically joined, and don't necessarily have that with the messenger application. So uh, the messenger is not necessarily electrically joined to the other conductors. So kind of a misleading. So the definition was changed. Good catch. Uh, good catch Dr. Dombrowski because it is true the wire that is run along with an inter- or integral with the cable or conductors that provides mechanical support to the cable or conductor. That makes sense. Good change. Okay. So that is SR7573 
if you're following along and you're making these little notes so that you're that you're that NEC code junkie who wants to can't wait till the second uh, the second draft comes out and you're like how do I find the quickest changes there you go SR7573 now again warning all this could change and also I should remind you that maybe some panels are still working right now while I'm doing this so there might be some more definitions that change okay or get added to it but these that I'm talking to you right now are not going to change as far as this podcast because they're in here and they're done and they might change when we get to the nitmam or they might change when we get to the vote but currently, right now, this is all accurate information as of November 3rd of 2018, right? Right. Okay. Next definition, multi-mode inverter. Okay. It, it was previously, I think it said multi-mode inverter. Now it says inverter, and then it says a multi-mode. Um, just a change in the title. I believe that's it. It's under second revision 7867. That is the second revision. Um, and of course, it says this aligns with the definition with other parallel definitions in 100 for ease of reference to keep it near the basic definition. So I guess when it was under M, it was further down in the M's and, and instead of with the other inverter applications. So moving inverter to the front of it aligns it with the same grouping within Article 100 and it's easier to get there. And going, that was based on a public comment 714. So... That was, again, by a gentleman that actually works for the solar industry. So I, he should know. So there you go. Makes sense. So that was SR7867 in case you're in that PV world. The next one that we're going to look at is called Power Production Equipment. A lot of strikeouts here. Probably for simplicity. Okay. So it says, here's the definition. It says electrical generating uh, equipment supplied by any source other than a utility makes sense, right? Because utility is a utility, that is a power production source. Um, it says, other than utility service, up to the source system disconnecting means. Okay, so it used to say, here's what it used to say it used to say the generating source and all associated distribution equipment to the source disconnection means that generates electricity from a source, okay, other than the utility, okay, supplied service. And that's what it used to say. But second revision 8125 made it clear that this revised language clarifies where the demarcation point between power production equipment and other equipment such as utility sources and distribution equipment for loads are located. So when you have power production equipment, it's differentiated from the service, okay, or the utility sources. So we had to have that differential issue. Now, an informational note reminds us examples of power production equipment such as generators, uh, solar photovoltaic systems, or even fuel cells. That's a power production equipment, whereas the utility would not be generally in that term. So we give you some definitions or some changes in what's considered power production because it says um, the the committee made this statement. It says the revised language clarifies the demarcation point between power production equipment and other equipment such as utility sources and distribution equipment from loads. Okay, so wanted to try to differentiate what a power production equipment is. If I've confused you any more than that, for goodness sake, 
go to Second Revision 8125 and direct all your questions to the fine folks of Code Making Panel 4 for that. Okay. Next one, Prime Mover. They only changed one little word in there. It says a machine that supplies a mechanical horsepower. It used to say of a generator. It says to a generator. Makes sense. Okay. The prime mover is usually a separate component. Uh, and it's a machine that actually supplies horsepower okay, to a generator. Okay. Rather than of a generator. Okay. So that is SR7549. Um, and that's just basically the definition of the prime mover was editorially changed to replace four to two for clarity. And it, it kind of adds clarity. What's of? Okay. The prime mover is not of the generator, but it is it's a component that is actually supplying mechanical horsepower actually to the generator. Okay. Next is definition of receptacle. Yes, it has changed yet again. And it is part of second revision 8223. And the only thing that was added here was the words or strap. Okay. I think we knew what the yoke was, but in order to make it very clear, uh, because we do use the term strap when we're doing things like box fill and, and what the receptacles count as. So anyway, added that. And it's basically the definition didn't change except for after yoke, it added or strap. So what is a receptacle? It's a, de it's a contact device installed at the outlet for the connection of an attachment plug or for the direct connection of electrical utilization equipment designed to mate. And that's something we added in 2017. Mate with the corresponding contact device. So we, we kind of clarified what a receptacle was for these new products in 2017. Uh, but we went on to say a single receptacle is a single contact device with no other contact device on the same yoke or strap. So kind of like a simplex receptacle. It's only one receptacle on it. A duplex has two receptacles on it or multiple receptacles uh, is two or more of those contact devices and they share the same yoke or same strap. Okay, kind of good to add this, make it clear. I think we kind of knew what it was, but this kind of just this adds clarity. So Code Making Panel 18 wanted to do that. Oh, SR8223 is the second revision. So if you're following along, that's what it is. Um, and it basically, they felt that adding the straps adds clarity because we do use that term at other places, again, as noted, for box fill applications, for receptacle devices, and things like that. Okay. The next definition that changed is reconditioned. All right. So recondition, all new language here. It says reconditioned. It says, um, now I've had to look at this for a second because there seems to be something weird going on with this one here because I see a definition of reconditioned and then I see a second definition of reconditioned. So I've got two definitions of reconditioned in here. So um, since I don't sit on that panel, I don't know, but we'll go on and read the first one. The first one is from the co-making panel 13. So I'm assuming we're going to get clarity by the correlation committee because I can't imagine we have two reconditioned. Anyway, the term reconditioned that came from co-making panel 13 was this. It said electrical mechanical systems, equipment, apparatus, or components that are restored to operating condition. 
This process differs from normal servicing of equipment that remains within a facility or replacement of listed equipment in a one-for-one basis. So new equipment or you replace it with something new, that's not reconditioned, that's a one-for-one. If you're you're, um, maintaining it under normal servicing and everything, that's not considered reconditioned, that's maintaining it. Um, Reconditioned would be something that is rebuilt, refurbished, or remanufactured. And that's why there's an informational note that says the term reconditioned is frequently referred to as rebuilt, refurbished, and remanufactured. Uh, this is kind of going to make uh, to help clarify some of the definitions and things we use in 110 when we're talking about reconditioning. So this information informational note is much added need for this application to help bring clarity. But it also adds to say that look, if you're doing a one for one replacement, that that's not reconditioning. Okay, uh, the process of normal servicing that remains with the facility. Okay, that's not the same as restoring something to operation. You're reconditioning it, okay? Not the same as is maintaining something that's different than a normal servicing of equipment. Okay, so the definition, and here's what the code making panel said. It says, code making panel 13 has created multiple second revisions that impact reconditioned equipment. In order to ensure clarity and consistent enforcement, the term reconditioned must be defined. It says, while the definition in this SR and the substantiation below are the work of code-making panel 9, this committee feels it necessary to move this concept forward as well. The NEC correlating committee should review and correlate all actions that attempt to define reconditioned. Okay, so we're putting this on the correlating committee because there's multiple ones here. Now, we also have one that's from the code-making panel 1. Now, this is, that was the first one, okay? They have another SR that's 7992. Now, the previous one was 7671, in case you're looking that up. Um, This one is 7992. And this one says, is a little different, uh, it says devices and equipment that are restored to conditions as recommended by the manufacturer's instructions for installation and use in conformity with this code. And then it has informational note that says recondition differs from normal or routine servicing of equipment the term reconditioned is commonly referred to as built, refurbished, or remanufactured. Okay, the difference in the two is that the definition by CMP 13 adds a little more teeth to where somebody can say that that's not considered reconditioning, that's just part of normal servicing, whereas this the one by Codemaking Panel 1 uh, talks about truly reconditioning equipment, but then it talks about the difference between normal servicing and the informational note. And we remember that informational notes are not enforceable. So if I was the correlating committee, which I am not, um, I would probably do something and I would Frankenstein both of these together because I like the way thirteen panel 13 went on this better than I like what happened in the code making panel one. I like 13s better. Anyway, That gives you something to get excited about, right? So you get to wait and see what happens based on the vote. One of these might make it. One might not. They both might not make it. That means reconditioned won't make it in there. Who knows? Um, But when you get the second draft, you can look up SR 7671 for code-making panel 13's definition of reconditioned. And then you can look at 7992, and you can look and see what code-making panel 1's definitions. Now, with that said, I don't see anything from Code Making Panel 9, and that's what 13 was referring to, so I don't know what happened to that. So I won't 
comment on that. All right, the next definition that we have a change in, this is not a big change, is service drop. Okay, it's the overhead conductors between the servicing utility and the service point. Now, it used to say the overhead conductors between the servicing utility utility electric system and the service point. Now, this is SR8070, in case you're following along, you want to see what happens. Now, this all was in response to a public comment 1212 uh, that was basically from a first revision. It was 8197 correlating the term servicing utility with the definitions of service, service drop, and service equipment. So adding the term servicing utility made sense in correlating than it did to say electric system. Okay, So that's the only change here, correlation change, but that is 8070 uh, second revision is what that is. Okay, I think it didn't change the intent of it. Okay. Now, what I guess what is subtle is that this is utility. You've got to remember that there's a lot of applications where the utility stops off. You have what's called the point of demarcation and becomes the service point. And at that point, whatever gets done from there, not necessarily service drop conductors. They might service conductors overhead. They're done from the utility. They're, I mean, they're not done by the utility. They're done by the NEC. So that's electricians. So all the height clearances come into play, whereas service drops, which is generally on the, I'm going to use a term that's going to get me in trouble, line side or supply side of that service point, that would be the service drop. Uh, if you have a transformer on a pole and that drops down to the side of your house, then that is service drop conductors. If the utility takes those all the way down to that service point, that is the demarcation line between where the utility ends and the, the National Electrical Safety Code ends and the NEC begins. Um, those would be service drop conductors. Okay, uh, This is a good time for me to tell you to go look at the definitions here and look and understand what service conductors overhead system is. Go look at what service interest conductors underground system is. Great information. You have service conductors underground, service conductors overhead. Uh, great information uh, to show you the differences in all those. And they're all defined by Code Making Panel 4. They're the ones that dealt with those definitions. Okay. Good information. All right. Now, service equipment. Again, it's no different than the service drop, kind of correlating to get rid of that term electric system. Okay. Because electric system, be honest with you, could be broad, okay? Be honest with you, a generator or even a PV could be considered an electric system. So clarity is always important here. So service equipment. This is SR8068, and it says, I'm going to read it to you you with those electric system terms removed. It says, a necessary equipment consisting of a circuit breaker or switches and fuses, and their associate uh, accessories uh, connected to the servicing utility and intended to constitute the main control and disconnect of the servicing utility. That's Code Making Panel 10 did that one. Um, before that, it used to say, this is what it said before this change. It said the necessary equipment consisting of a circuit breaker or switches and fuses and their accessories connected to the uh, utilities electric system and intended to constitute the main control and disconnect of the the utility electric system okay well, okay I guess we know because it said utility but for clarity uh, in the SR8068 
Again, this was a change that was done based on a PC 1212 and based on revisions. So that words that I just read to you might not necessarily be what was in the 2017. Remember, the public comments are changes to whatever came out under the first revision. So the first revision to this was 8199. So because of that, then they wanted to coordinate the term servicing utility in the definitions of service, service rock, and service equipment. So in order to harmonize those, we had to get rid of that term electric system. Okay, so that's what it was done there. Makes it a little easier to read, I guess. Okay. The next definition is what's called a single pole separable connector. Now this was in SR 9244. And it says a device that is intended at the end at the ends of portable, flexible, single conductor cables that is used to establish connection or disconnection between two cables or one cable and a single pole panel mounted separable connector. Now this is based on SR8244 and basically code making panel 18 recognized that it is responsible for the definition of what's called a single pole separable connector. So they're utilized, they follow it, so this was all based on an a public comment 1213 uh, and 1213 really came from the NEC Correlating Committee. Okay, So basically the Correlating Committee advised Code-Making Panel 15 that the term has broad application as CMP 18 included it in Article 406. That was based on FR 8378. Okay, That was in 406.13. And the Correlating Committee assigns the responsibility of this definition to Code Panel 18. So they had to button this up. Uh, and add this definition for what a single pole separable connector is. Obviously, it's utilized in Article 406. Um, so that's where we're at with it. So that has been added to the NEC. So wherever you see that term used, now you know what the heck it is. Okay. Again, that is SR 8244, and it's the definition of a single pole separable disconnect. Next is standalone system. Okay. With the definition, the informational note was removed here. Okay, that's what was done here. Uh, it says a system that is capable of supplying power independently of an electric power production and distribution network. Okay, but based on the submittal, a public comment that resulted in a reject but C, I guess, for 8218, that's the SR, uh, what happened was it was based on two public comments, 306 and 1214. The informational note was removed to eliminate language that could be perceived as a as being permissive or confusing. Well, I don't know that I agree with that because informational notes aren't enforceable anyway, but I guess it could add confusion. But then again, infor- informational notes aren't enforceable anyway, so I don't know. But anyway, if we can make an effort to avoid confusion, then by all means... We should make an effort to clarify that. So they did. And this came from a correlating committee uh, directing that. And I think it's because, you know, we, they use even in the, uh, and I'm going to go back and look and see here. Yes. Even though the informational uses the term may, that uses the term may, which is permissive, um, they wanted it to be removed. Okay. So it was removed. Um but again, it was an informational note, so, um, you know, oh well. 
Okay, now there was a lot of good information uh, in, in the actual public comment 306, or 306 I should say, um, that you can really get more information out of it. But again, the informational note you know, was recommended to be deleted, and thus it was deleted. Okay. All right, so the next one is switch, under switch, but it's a bypass isolation switch. Okay, and it used to say an automatic or non-automatic. Um, now it says a manual, non-automatic, or automatic operation. Okay, because non-automatic and automatic didn't necessarily clarify as manual. So it says a manual, non-automatic, or automatic operation device used in conjunction with a transfer switch to provide a means to directly. Uh, means of directly connecting load conductors to a power source and of disconnecting the transformer switch. Now, this was under code panel 13's purview, and it resulted in an SR7635. Now, the SR7635 was a combination of public comment 619 and 1110, and the code panel statement was, uh, there are three potential types of bypass isolation switches. There's a manual, non-automatic, and automatic. Now, this is all in accordance with UL 1008. Manual operation is non-electrically operated. Non-automatic is electrically operated and not self-acting. And, of course, an automatic switch is obviously automatic. It's self-acting. So the second revision corrects this definition and adds manual to it in order to be a more accurate statement when you're describing these bypass isolation switches, especially if you're digging into UL 1008 and you're going to go, what, what, there's no definition, there's no reference to manual? Now there is, so it's all good. The next definition that we have is based on SR75, well, actually resulted in SR7547, and this is thermally protected. And this, again, applies to the motor. Okay, And it, the new definition says a motor or motor compressor that is provided with a thermal protector. Pretty simple, right? Code panel 11 come up with this definition. And what it said before that was it used to say the words thermally protected appear on the nameplate of a motor or motor compressor indicates that the motor is provided with a thermal protector. Okay, a lot of words. Basically, what is what does it mean when it says thermally protected? It's a motor or motor compressor that is provided with a thermal protector. I mean, that's it. Now, the second revision, 7547, the committee said, look, the definition has been rewritten to comply with the NEC style manual. Okay, so... It says the terms being defined should not be included in the definition. So it said thermally protected inside the definition. So the style manual, again, interesting document to get and read. Um, you can't put the actual title or the, the title of the definition inside the actual definition. Okay, so that was the change. It's it's editorial in nature. Um, there's no new material here. And it's important that they stay that because, again, remember, at the public comment stage, you can't introduce new material. So they made it clear that this was not new material. And this was an action that was making clarity to an SR7547. Uh, no, excuse me. It is part of the second revision 7547. So that tells me 
they needed to make it clear this was not new material in order to get away with the correlating committee throwing it out. Hey, good change, style manual change. I'm all it's all good. Now I'm going to remind you that as of November 3rd, some of the other panels might still be meeting today. So some of these other definitions might get added, changed, or whatnot. I'm just telling you, as of right now, since a lot of those things are changed in real time, uh, I will tell you, NFPA did an amazing job. Kudos to all the, the people on NFPA staff that sat there and went through all this and, uh, and, and, and was patient with this. I will say something. Gil Manez with NFPA, who was the one that was helping do this in Code Panel 17, Boy, you must have the patience of a saint because I can see that panel. We were driving you crazy. I guarantee it. But he was very professional. They all did a a great job. All right. Next, definition, unclassified locations. So the definition here resulted in a second revision, 7874. And all we did here is strike out class one uh, wherever it was listed. Uh, so it, here's what it says. It says locations determined to be neither, so unclassified. It says locations determined to be neither class one, division one, class one, division two, class one, zone zero. It's really just zone zero. So they got rid of the class one. The next one said class one, zone one, got rid of the class one. It's just zone one. And then class one, zone two, which again, got rid of the class one. It's just zone two. And then the, all the other language stayed the same. It was class two, division one, class two, division two, class three, division one, class three, division two, zone 20, 21, 22, nor, or, uh, nor any combination thereof. So any of those that are not in these locations are not described here in 500, 501, 502, 503. They're considered unclassified locations. Or something within those areas, turn it into an unclassified location. There you go, okay? So if it's determined that it's not one of these classified locations, then of course it's an unclassified location. Now don't get me started about the definition of a corrosive environment. You'll hear that in another podcast, trust me, okay? Don't get me started. Um, Okay, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna be nice. All right, so anyway, there you go, guys and gals. That was about an hour of the definition changes that took place in Article 100 at the last public comment hearings uh, or meetings in San Diego. I know it went a long time. A lot of people out there say, I'm not going to listen to an hour. I can't help it. It is what it is. It took me an hour to do it. I could have broken it down, but I don't like to do that that often. So take it or leave it. Listen or don't listen. But if you're listening to this, you did listen. So ha. The laughs on you, right? Anyway, hope you got something out of it. Until next time, folks, God bless, stay safe. And remember, this is a flowing document. It's a living document. The NEC is always changing. We still have to vote on these definitions. We still have nitmams to go. So some of these might change. Some of them might disappear. New ones might appear. Just remember that. I'm just kind of giving you a sneak peek. Till next time, folks, stay safe and God bless. Bright. Every day is another beginning.